Things off out in the markets and uh, joining us to take a look at the latest in company news and the latest in the economy. Joined by uh, Chief Investment Officer and founded Markwe Fund Managers and that is Markwe Masilela. Lochan Masilela. Lochan Masilela. Uchame guhle, uchame rech. Ah, umurara oko mas, uchame rech and good evening to the listeners. Thank you very much, Markwe. Siatogoza, Baba. Makwe, I want us to start off there in that global luxury company, Richemont. I don't know how you pronounce it, but yeah. You know, sales increase of 8% in the third quarter of uh, the 2022-23 financial year. 18% for the nine months ending at the tail end of December, which of course one would expect to be a bumper time for them. They provide us with jewelry, with watches and so on. And uh, yeah, it seems... Uh, much of the challenge for them remains in that Asia-Pacific region, which uh, constitutes the bulk of their revenue. Uh, it's uh, beyond, I guess, 2 billion euro uh, in the 2021 financial year, but uh, seemingly lagging. Negative 9% growth, negative 7% growth in actual terms, and uh, seemingly yet to recover from the lockdowns that we see in China. And I guess it was expected, and I think for me this were very resilient sales numbers. I mean, given all those issues with China, as you said, this is the way they are making most of their revenue. So for them to still be able to increase sales, set got, as you said, by 8%, nine months by almost 18%. But this itself proves what we've been seeing, all these different articles about the rich continue to make money, even in this kind of situation, mm-hmm. because this is a luxury goods company. So... These are the few people who can afford to be able to buy those. And also, if you look into their online retail sales, increasing better than the walk-in, that itself confirms that how uh, sophisticated their buyers are. And it can only be sophisticated if you have the necessary funds. And it just con- confirms that these inequalities will continue, but you cannot blame it on Richmond. If they've got a nice offering and those with money want to mm. buy, why not? Look into Japan itself. Japan is what talking, they've got almost negative interest rates. And if you look by region, Japan, I guess that the ones who have done much better on actual rates, the increase was over 30%. And also followed by Middle East and Africa, and it's not surprising when we look into Middle East. We know with all prices going up, those guys continue to make good money, and those are some of the few economies which are expected to do better last year and this year. So it's kind of not surprising that Middle East is doing mm. okay. The rest of your Europe, America, yeah, we know people have been worried, you know, going forward about the economic recession, but also high inflation is biting and high interest rates. But as you said, Asia Pacific, they had a negative 7%. But yeah, that just confirms that you need money to make money. And look at the jewelry. Jewelry managed to do much better. And they, they, they managed to offset that negative growth when it comes to specialty watches. And you know, I guess the, the other question, of course, is uh, if one makes sense of the channels via which uh, some of this uh, marginal improvement in sales was seen, um, many might think, I guess, online retail channels have become dominant, seemingly not. Uh, the bulk of which probably by a function of uh, or multiple of a tenth more 
uh, or, or 10 times more than what is coming through via online retail channels still remains uh, um, mm -hmm. you know, typical traditional retail. Uh, so uh, many of your jewelers, many of your you know, watch and timepiece uh, uh, retailers, still very much the channel through which Richmond is able to sell us the Cartiers, the Mont Blancs and many other brands. Yeah, and look at the growth across all distribution channels led by retail and online retail channels. And I think, Aya, if you know you're going to be buying from back home here, Katia, at Santa, what do you call that place? Diamond Dog. You don't even mm. doubt. I don't even know Diamond that. Walk. <laughs> but if you're <laughs> buying from a store like this and you have to do it online, do you really doubt mm. the quality? It's not like something that you're just buying out of the internet, but you know, we are selling Daniel or we are selling Mont Blanc to you. So if you know that this is an online shop of Richmond, definitely don't doubt it. Mm. You don't have to go and, and, the, yeah. and smell it. It's something that you can be happy with online. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And you know, one of the interesting things, just as we wrap up this uh, story, still very much of this business driven by what they call the jewelry masons and the specialist watchmakers, um, yes. seeing some declines, but as a proportion of uh, the broader sales mix here, uh, jewelry still very much at the top of uh, the pile, 3.3 yes. billion euro in sales, uh, whereas specialist watchmakers coming in just shy of a billion euros there, 977 yes. million euros. Yeah, and other 663, but all because people still see jewelry as some form of investment. People who are in financial mm. stress, they can easily sell that. You know, there's also a store back home here. I forget the name, but people can go and sell back their authentic stuff, whether it's clothes, shoes, whatever it is. So some of these things, people buy them knowing that, you know what, in case of a crisis, I can easily take it back as long as I've got the certificate. Guys can also mm -hmm. go and verify that it is genuine. But the jewelry itself, usually people see that as some form of investment more than anything. Yeah, I thought timepieces were investments too. They are timepieces, but now jewelry compared to a watch, a watch you might find that an investment watch you're talking just over three, four hundred, a thousand K, you know. But now when it comes to jewelry, you can just go and buy a nice break, bracelet, earrings, you know, for anything around 150. It's still doable. Earrings, you can still get good earrings for 60, 70,000. That will still be decent earrings. But with a watch, probably for rate to qualify as some form of investment, I guess, they're taking anything above 300 or so. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, let's shift our attention, I guess, away from the jewelers and uh, we'll come back to some retail data in the next while. But uh, talk to me about intra-party loans. And uh, we do know, I guess, th these intra-group loans have been a very sophisticated way for tax avoidance and what people call efficient tax planning. Um, what is it and, and why do a lot of big companies who have different divisions across the world make such judicious use of it? No one likes paying taxes. So if you can find an innovative way to pay less tax, definitely will entertain that. And people with good money, they've got the proper advisors to help them. I, if I deposit money to a bank account and in reference I write low, I write low, that money is you are not liable to pay any 
tax on it because of the law you have to pay it back. So, so, so wait, wait. The recipient entity yes. um, is not liable to pay tax on that loan, but I would assume the servicing of that loan as well is also tax deductible. Exactly. But now, mm. if it's inter-company, then guys, what they do, they can give you a loan forever and ever. Amen. Meaning it's not an arm's length loan. So an arm's length loan mm. will have some tension conditions. And you should show us that at least you are servicing that loan. Either you are just paying back the interest or interest plus portion of capital. So it will be like company A gave their subsidiary company a loan. So that money, in fact, should be qualified as income so that they can pay tax on it. If you look into, mm. I'm not sure which report was it, where they were indicating foreign direct investments in South Africa. Most of it, it shows that as if companies are investing in South Africa, all to find that multinationals have been giving their local subsidiaries loans. But that reflects, or looking to the South African Reserve Bank books, that reflects as an inflow of capital into the country, mm. and it's not hot money, but they come in the form of loan. So that helps the local company not to pay. So hence that thing, do whatever you want to do. You must have a policy in place. And secondly, it must be an arm's length. Arm's length in their definition is that it must have at least all the characteristics of a free market loan where we have a willing buyer and a willing seller. And I, I'm thinking, currently, if interest rates are sitting at 10%, there's no way we'll go out and give you a loan for 2%. It must at least reflect that. We can maybe argue that, no, 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 that's Libo plus Tre or Chiba or maybe Primeless mm. too. But guys, the way they've been doing it is was not reflective. And that's unfortunately was missing out because how do you text that when you come and look into my books? Mm. So, so now SARS has kind of issued an instructional guidance note. Uh, which gives some guidance, uh, but one of the things that it does is to place onus on the company to create a policy that indicates what treatment they give to intra-group loans. So if I have a holdings company and then below that holdings company there are some subsidiaries and there's an extension of loans to those subsidiaries, um, then that I guess speaks about how and what form uh, um, you know those types of loans should be structured. Firstly, the amounts and also I guess the pricing of that loan, which is the interest rate. Which makes sense. And if it's something that they're doing regularly, why can't they have a policy? So I don't think first they've been unreasonable. They're just trying to make sure that guys who have seen this thing, then this is time to close that loophole. And yes, you might say SARS has been very, very active, but I guess we must give it to them that they're starting to look into stuff like that. And probably that will also maybe talk well when the guys go and make their case that we are still trying to cover our grounds to make sure that the money laundering rules per come here are sufficient mm. enough so that maybe we don't even get to be black or gray listed. And I think if SARS continue on this, those are the specific spots where you have this money, but very few people play in that, but it's big money. Hmm. And then maybe a last one, the implication for many multinationals of this kind of, um, you know, framework. And uh, because I think on the one hand, I would assume SARS is trying to deal with, you know, forms of um, illicit financial flows that are sometimes associated with these intra 
company arrangements. But on the other hand, for many of the companies who've made use of these, I mean, is it just about putting a new policy in place or does it have a material impact or come with a material change in how they've always done this? There will be a material change because if you were giving us an interest-free loan or maybe we're charging us 2% and we're not maybe repaying you over a period of whatever period, that has to change. Remember, uh, what you call it, loan of debt can be prescribed. So you also have to make mm-hmm. sure that within a certain period of time because you don't want to get to that position. And remember, if you continue to do that, you are also disadvantaging the other shareholders at the holding company because they're not realizing the necessary benefit that we gave out $1 billion to a subsidiary in South Africa. But here, you know, as a multinational, probably could have used that money for something else. Mm. Yeah, I guess time will tell uh, how that particular one unfolds. Let's shift our attention to Elon Musk. Uh, many of our listeners would know, of course, that uh, he uh, yeah, was at the helm of a 44 US dollar billion takeover of um, social messaging platform Twitter. And uh, yeah, I guess he used about 13 billion US dollars of borrowings from the likes of Morgan Stanley and Bank of America. And it seems some of that money is due. Uh, I understand that uh, some of the interest payments are around 1.5 billion US dollars a year. And uh, it doesn't seem like Twitter's cash flush at the moment. So who's going to pay? They will pay because they do have some few sales amount. Revenue is not negative. It just dropped by 40%. So they did generate something. You know, when they were presenting their results, they showed that revenue dropped by 40%. And number two, I think we have to give it to him. I mean, a deal was 44, and then the guy only mm. managed to get that of 18. I mean, 31, it came from him selling those Tesla shares. So it's either he will sell some shares to pay the interest, or he will allow himself to apply for bankruptcy. That will also give him an opportunity to restructure the debt. Personally, mm. I think the latter is clever, because when you went out to those banks to ask for 13 billion, I think you went with cap in hand. So given all these conditions, he had to accept them. Now it is his test to have the conditions that suit him. Because if you do that restructuring, mm-hmm. then definitely the difference. But unlike when I approach you and say, Aya, please, can you borrow me 13 billion? So tell me all these stories, them with all these funny things. But now, if I'm unable to repay you, and I'm saying, bro, let's talk. Hmm. So, so in a sense, yeah, I mean, I guess even though there might be some money, be it from the proprietor, Elon Musk himself, or from the cash reserves of Twitter, or from somewhere in the kitty, it still doesn't resolve a future-looking problem that Twitter is faced with, which is how do you monetize this f- platform and the massive volume of interactions that go through it? Um, and I guess we've seen a lot of people on Twitter sort of pushing back against the whole Twitter blue idea, which is a new subscription platform that Elon mm. Musk has come in with. Uh, he's also slashed by half the uh, headcount of Twitter, tried to deal on the cost management side of things with the operational costs of this entity. Um, and he sort of likens it to a plane that is crashing and or heading sure you know, uh, headlong into the ground. Uh, what do you make of that? And I guess the challenge of monetization uh, that uh, Twitter is confronted with. 
you know, we know that their primary source remains advertising. And after the guy is taken over, the social media company witnessed a mass exodus of the brands. But however, he managed to loop back advertisers by offering heavy discounts. So what I'm trying to get to is that there is mm. still some money coming through. And, uh, I, you know, as it looks, people might be skeptical. And I think that's also what happened when he was trying to launch that first thing in space, you know, trying to go into space. You had the likes of Neil Armstrong, the father of astronauts, saying this is not possible. But the guy made it. So I'm saying with Twitter... I'm saying with Twitter, as things look, we've got all these critiques, but can we give a guy a chance to see whether Mm. will he make it or not? And the beauty is, that dead is is Twitter's dead. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how, uh, I guess, that unfolds and whether or not, I mean, it does seem at the moment that it might be a difficult task, but hey, I think once... Uh, the systems are in place to monetize it, it might actually be a boon uh, for uh, Musk and many of the other shareholders. It's possible. And I'm saying, you know what, I'm 50-50. I'm saying, let's see what will happen. Because as it stands mm. now, I mean, the guy is trying to, maybe he's wrong, he's got it all wrong, and which it happens with businesses, that his calculations were wrong, or maybe the guy will turn it around. And the guy used mm. his money, and unfortunately, that debt of Twitter is on Twitter's books, not in his personal name. Yeah. Then, last one, Marco, before I let you go here, two data prints coming out of Stats SA, which uh, I'd like us to maybe uh, take a brief look at. The first one is that consumer price index, and uh, much like what we saw in the month of November, same challenges that we see because in the month of November, a big driver of the inflation print that we saw were administered, you know, or regulated administered prices. So that's the price of electricity, price of water, price of rates, price of uh, road and air tariffs, and, you know, uh, I guess any other price that the government would set. Same thing in this set of numbers, uh, but also what we begin to see is that for many consumers and households, a big driver of the inflation is emerging from... Uh, bread and cereal prices insofar as food is concerned Um, and then also I guess the other dynamic um, insofar as um, non-alcoholic beverages also driving the charge there Uh, and uh, the big drive certainly is the cost of fuel and the impact that that has on uh, private vehicles and public transport. And definitely remember, more than 50% of our people spend more than 50% of their money on food. So it's worrisome to see mm. the likes of bread and cereal coming up. But I think it's something that we can welcome to see that it dropped from 7.4 to 7.2. And also, if we have seen today, also we've seen the one from the UK dropping. Also from the US, we've seen their PPI dropping. All I'm saying is that this starts to swell our hopes and expectations that, listen, we might see mm-hmm. interest rates no longer going up, you know, at that aggressive rate. And we hopefully that this continues to hold as we've seen the rent not doing too badly so far this year. And if it continues along this, the problem is that oil prices, they keep on going up. So this whole relief that you've just seen from fuels might be mm-hmm. temporary because it might not hold, and because of this brand crude going up, because of the excitement that China is reopening. Yeah. Last one then, Makwe, retail trade sales data for the month of November coming through, which coincides with Black Friday. And uh, it seems uh, 
that many of you, Mark, were uh, were going out <laughs> and uh, I guess buying new sneakers, buying Crockett and Jones, Nama Parapella. I'm dropping this call. I'm a parapella. I'm dropping the call. That was when you call I'm a That was a saps. I think because of Black Friday, I guess it was expected. And we've seen that yeah. even before well, October, it went out. And it's all because of these discounts. So whoever said Black Friday is the new December, I think they are right. Because I don't think the December numbers will be that good. And we've also seen the December retail sales that came out of the U.S. Mm. They dropped over a percent. But I think it's all because you guys have been spending money on furniture, appliances, and some equipment. And as you said... Yeah, but you're not spending enough on furniture, Mark. Where, I mean, I'm not seeing the sofas coming through in the data. I'm not seeing the roof <laughs> dividers coming through in the data. What <laughs> clearly is coming through is... You know, my parapella, I'm way new. No! How fun for me to do Hi, guys. No, these uh, long-lasting durable goods clearly are not coming through. Let's leave it there, Makwe, for tonight. Because uh, Nina continue to wish. We'll have to leave it there for tonight. Always a pleasure, my brother, catching up with you. Nya togo zanyabong. Zanyabong.